All things are lawful for lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for immortality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I therefore make, take the members of Christ and make the members of, pros, of a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh, but he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun immortality. Every other sinner which a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral sin man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were brought with a price. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Lo, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me a kid, that I may make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings. morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before I even begin the sermon, I want to uh, acknowledge and recognize the young people who have been working so hard uh, every uh, day or every Sunday after liturgy, and now you see the fruit of their hard work. That was very beautiful. We want to thank uh, Melanie, who led them, and Presbytera, who uh, also has been helping, and uh, I'd like to see that a lot more often, so thank you. Two weeks before Lent starts. That's it. Three Sundays, including today, but two weeks. The prodigal son, meat fair, cheese fair, and then we are at Clean Monday. It's important to know that Pascha... Our Lord's resurrection is the feast of all feasts. It is literally the most important event in the history of the universe. It's for this reason that we prepare for it with a 40-day Lenten period. And it's also the reason why that was the season and the day par excellence that people prepared themselves and were brought into the church through holy baptism and chrismation. For that reason, 
as a way of preparation and because literally almost everyone's baptism was on Pascha, Lent became an intensified period of repentance. Because there's no better way to prepare for the greatest of feasts, to really come into as great a communion and connection with God than through repentance. Because repentance is a return to God. It is a turning away from every other thing that distracts us, that separates us, that is an impediment. And it is an intensified return to God. And so, today the fathers of the church give us this beautiful parable of the prodigal son, which is the blueprint of repentance. And one of the major themes in this parable is the difference between rules and relationship. Rules and relationship. Now you might say, well, the Orthodox Church has thousands of rules. That's true and it's not true. Every single commandment of our Lord, every single aspect of the life of the church, everything that the church asks us and invites us to do and to engage in and to participate in is for the purpose of relationship. God created every human being precisely for relationship. We are, more than anything else, relational. This is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. To be free. To be able to love and to be loved. Almost every conflict in human relationships. Almost every jealousy. Almost every yearning. Almost every desire is a desire for connection, for intimacy, for closeness, for relationship. Think about that for just a moment. All of our horizontal relationships with each other, on every level, are to help us understand and as a means towards the ultimate relationship between us and God. Now, the younger son, living in the household of his father, engaging with the household, the servants, his brother, his father, there's no detail about this. But you can bet that he had a relationship that was flourishing. And I'll tell you why. Because when he comes back to himself, he remembers that relationship. And he contrasts it so greatly with what he's experiencing in his lost state. That's how we know that he participated as fully as possible in that relationship before he started to drift away and separate himself. His older brother, on the other hand, was a person of rules, obedient, the letter of the law. Just tell me what to do and I will do it. And therefore, he never fully partook of the relationship that was offered him. The father says, you've had me and everything that I have 
always at your disposal. Whatever is mine has always been yours. What do you mean we haven't partied together? What do you mean that I have withheld the fatted calf? What do you mean that we have not been continually in a state of invitation to make merry? Whatever I am, whatever I have, it's all at your disposal and it always has been. But you didn't see it because all you were focused on and fixated on was the rules. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. No. That is not what human life is about. That is not what Orthodox Christianity is about. That's not what fasting is about. That's not what prayer is about. That's not what all of the canons of the church are about. That's not what Christ's commandments are about. They are about love and life and relationship. About joy, about love, about peace, about connection and intimacy. Now and forever. Now back to the younger son. Sometimes we think that the younger son just immediately considered his father to be dead and just ran off and ended up naked and starving and half out of his mind immediately. Don't think of the parable that way. Think of it as gradually. Even after he asked for his inheritance, it wasn't until a few days later that he actually left the household. Then he began to journey into a foreign land. He didn't just warp there. It was a journey. When we start to move away from God, we do it gradually. Sometimes we don't even notice it. We stop remembering the relationship. We stop feeding it and cultivating it and nurturing it. This is where the weeds and the thorns and the rocky soil and the birds start to come in and infiltrate and get in between us and God, us and ourselves, us and others. Gradually, slowly, then... He began to squander his inheritance. What inheritance? His personhood. The gifts that God had given him. His virtue. The natural energies of his soul. They began to be misused and distorted and to lead him astray and awry. And to confuse him and to blind him and to distort his reality. His reality about the world, his reality about himself, his reality about others. Of course, he engaged in loose living because he had separated himself from the relationship with God, the Father. And after that, a famine took place. And he began to be hungry and in deprivation. And so then he attaches himself to a foreigner. Then he ends up in the pigsty. Then he ends up feeding the pigs what he himself cannot eat. Then he hits rock bottom. But not immediately. None of us drift away from God like that. Most of us, if not all of us, do so gradually. 
And then the scripture, Luke, says something very beautiful. It says that he came to himself. Why does it say that? This is extremely important for us to hear and to listen and to take to heart. Our self is created very good. Our basic humanity, each one of us, is very good. We do not naturally incline toward the evil. We naturally incline to the good. It just doesn't seem that way because we live immersed, surrounded, and bombarded by a fallen world. It doesn't seem that way because we're weak. But this is the truth of the matter. And so Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says that the son, the younger son, comes back to his basic goodness. He comes back to his remembrance of the relationship. He comes back to an understanding of what is rightfully his. If we want to be entitled people, and we all want to be entitled, right? But we shouldn't be. But if we want to understand one rightful entitlement, it is that we are in the image of God, called to be like Him, and that we, although unworthy, are called to an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. He desires it more than we desire it. And all we have to do is come back to that. That is our true self. That is our true identity. That's who we really are. And when he did, then he remembered the relationship that he enjoyed. And then after that, after self-examination coming to his senses, he was able to make a confession. I am not worthy to be a son. I will ask my father to make me like one of his hired servants, because that is even better than what I'm experiencing now. And so he gets up out of the mud, and he begins to return to the father. There is such a thing as orthodoxy, right understanding, right belief, right theology. This is what he came to when he came to himself. But there is also orthopraxis, right action, right living. Theology translated into motion. And that is what happened when he got up and he turned his head back towards his homeland. Back to the relationship with his father. And the most beautiful thing in this parable is that the entire time that the son had been drifting away, the father was looking and waiting and praying and hoping and doing everything in his power to reestablish that connection, to reestablish and reconcile that relationship. And the moment the son begins to turn in his free will back, the father runs down the road to make it happen. He gives 99% and we give 1%. We should never ever fear, my dear brothers and sisters, that God does not want to forgive us. He does not want to take us back. He does not want the relationship. It's the devil who will tell you that. He will tell you that you are unworthy. He will tell you that you have to fix it first. That you cannot appear naked. You cannot appear hurting and wounded and starving. You can't be muddy and gross and smelly. There's no way God will accept you that way. But that's not true. Look at the parable. 
God ran all the way to the Son and embraced Him in all of His brokenness. You could never be gross enough for God to reject you. Never. You have to cling to that. Then he restored him in every way possible. Shoes, robe, ring. Sending the servants to make the whole entire household a party of reconciliation. Killing the fatted calf. Inviting everybody near and far to rejoice in the resurrection of a relationship. This is the beauty of this story. And this is our story. It's not rules, it's relationship. It's all about coming to our very good self and remembering the relationship that we have drifted away from. And then getting up in our freedom and just taking one step back. Turning our nose back to God and He does the rest. And this is what Lent is all about. This is what the Christian life is all about. This is what it is all about. So my dear brothers and sisters, everything that God has is yours. And it has always been. It's just up to you to take advantage of it. To enter into the relationship. To use your free will to return to God and let Him reconcile you. Let Him shower you and bathe you in His glory and His promises. Now and forevermore. Amen.